0: I've been in my mind. Such a fight. Keep this searching. Silent Brain is people! Why not? Do. Or do not. There is no try All the way up to the red hat block. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. That's so it, man. I need a copy of code three, and I need assist. They did killings and sacrifices. He made people change. Nothing else matters. It's not, real. It's, not real. it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. This isn't the end. Statistically, you're more likely to die in a hospital than anywhere else. Hello and welcome back to the dark room. This time out, I'm sitting in downtown Detroit at lunchtime. You can hear, I'm sure, the activity around me. It's a uh, early summer day, but it's kind of cool. Like the last couple days, we had the 80s and 90s. Today it feels like it's in the 50s, so it's kind of chilly out. So normally. At lunchtime, this area would be packed with people, but because it's kind of cold out, everyone's back inside. So, uh, hopefully the uh, the water there seems to be fountains all around me. Hopefully, that's not too loud, and the uh, cars going by. I'm trying to really hug the phone. I am recording again on the the iPhone 4, so hopefully um, it sounds good. The only thing I've really noticed to be a negative with the iPhone is I need to put like a piece of foam in front of it when I'm talking because I do get some wind some poppings, you know from the breath so but anyway this time out on the show I'm going to defend a movie I saw recently that I I loved sorry to spoil it right away <laughs> I'm sure the uh, the uh, anticipation was there but um, I ruined that right at the beginning I love this movie I thought it was great But I want to defend it because I've noticed online people were um, complaining about it while giving it positive reviews, and they were complaining. So I want to uh, try to defend it, even though I don't think it really needs it. I think these people don't really know what they're talking about because it's a great movie, and I know I haven't said its name yet, but uh, I will in a second. (laughs) (laughs) And then later I'm going to just talk about a couple movies that I've seen recently. Um, But uh, just in passing. Uh, But the movie that I am referring to is called The Void. Just a second, I'm trying to... (laughs) I was totally... I had my notes in front of me. Oh, here it is. All right. The movie is called, like I said, The Void... It's from last year. This is being recorded in 2017. Pretty sure the movie was shot in 2016 and released in 2017. It's directed and written. Well, it's directed by Jeremy Gillespie Gillespie and Steve Kostanski, two um, Canadian directors. And it's also somewhere they're also the writers. I think I know one of them is. I think they're both the writers also. that I'm already confused (laughs) Um, oh it's written and directed by Steve Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie so they both wrote it and directed it I think it's fantastic um it is a uh I guess you would say it's a sci-fi movie basically but it's like weird it's like it's, it's like um people compare it to Lovecraft which is kind of appropriate but it's a lot of different things at once and actually the Lovecraft comparison a lot of people are using to negatively talk about the movie because they think it's a ripoff of Lovecraft when um, it's just got Lovecraft ish elements and I don't think these people are they knowledgeable about Lovecraft? Because he encouraged people to use his his settings, his locations, his characters in other projects, you know. So he would love it if they would have used Cthulhu, which they don't. The, nothing is really named. It's kind of vague. It's a very dreamlike movie, a lot like the last, I think it was the last time we talked about the Discovery and Tank 432 it's a lot like that in feel, whereas it's like, it feels like a dream. Let me give you, I've kind of, cause, cause I'm horrible at synopsizing a movie. I always want to give you everything in detail. Um, uh, I'm going to give you a synopsis I found online, which is shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysteriously, figures which is is vague but the movie is kind of vague. but that kinda tells the story Um, here's a storyline which is a little more detailed synopsis when police officer Carter played by Aaron Poole, discovers a blood-soaked man limping down a deserted road he rushes him to a local hospital with a bare-bones night shift staff as cloaked cult-like figures surround the building the patients, the staff, patients and staff inside, start to turn ravenous, ravenously insane, trying to protect the survivors. Carter leads them into the depths of the hospital, where they discover a gateway to immense evil, which is not totally accurate, but better than I could have done, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so it's, but that's kind of that's the the gist of it. Is it's a uh, you know, we, we there's a there's an opening scene where there, there's a house. Well, actually, I don't even want to go into the the details like that because um, I'd rather just talk about the tone of the movie and the feel of the movie. Um, and actually, here's a, a from what I see, um, the inspirations kind of for this movie come from. From the things I see in the movie, I could say it, they had to be inspired by Hellraiser, John Carpenter's the thing, John Carpenter's The Prince of Darkness. I'd say Phantasm, Assault on Precinct Thirteen for for some of the, the um, what happens. But it's like nothing is totally you know independent anymore. You know, how can anything be made? In, you know, nothing's made in a void, <laughs> in a vacuum. Um, everything is inspired by other things that came before it and I don't think these guys are shying away from the uh, fact that there are similarities to um, these other movies and theirs so oh, I'm so lucky they're emptying the trash can right next to me what timing eh? yeah that's my luck but anyway um, ever but those are what I see as inspirations for this movie visually at least, and and, and story-wise. But um, the main thing people are doing is um, comparing it to Lovecraft. Like online, one of the trivia things I saw on IMDb says, there's a clear influence of H.P. Lovecraft's stories of cosmic horror, particularly the Call of Cthulhu, the Dunwich Horror, and the Shadow over Innsmouth. All of them revolve around secret cults who sacrifice humans to ancient alien godlike creatures. And and that's true, um, but it is very Lovecraftian. But I don't think that's a negative. Like um, a lot of um, um, reviews, I've talked or I've heard. Especially, there was a podcast I listened to. I can't remember the name of it, but I just downloaded it because I saw that they were talking about the void. And one of them, one of the, the podcasters, ripped on it because they said it didn't bring anything new. And it didn't. It didn't um, add anything. But I. I would disagree. A lot of people are claiming that this is just a special effects demo reel, really. And the special effects are great. I mean, there are a lot of things that could have come right out of John Carpenter's *The Thing*. And then there are some visuals, like when they go or when they are in the void, and you see the, you know, the the vistas or wide shots of the the world that they're in. It feels like when you're in Phantasm and they go to that other world. So it's, it's, and then, then towards the end, one of the characters is no skin kind of like in Hellraiser, you know, where the, the character has no skin and you just see he's just like blood and muscle. So, so it, it, it is inspired visually and story-wise by a lot of things, but then so is everything else. And I just think it's not fair that people rip on this movie because it's fantastic. And it was a crowdfunded movie. Somewhere I have the the, um, specifics. They didn't raise a whole lot of money for it. I mean, it's, it's a... Well, one of the trivia pieces I have is it also contains obvious plot references to John Carpenter's unseen 80s apocalyptic horror gem. Apocalyptic horror gem. Prince of Darkness, the similarities between the two films can be seen in the idea of characters under siege by a cult in a combined environment containing a supernatural entity, supernatural entity, and a portal to another world, and a lead character sacrificing him herself by pushing the evil entity back through said portal. Spoiler. Um, That's not that big a deal. It doesn't change anything. It says the monster, the cult, the planet, and the mystery behind it are based on H.P. Lovecraft's creation, Cthulhu. I don't know if really if it's Cthulhu or just Lovecraft type of things, but because um, the and monsters or, or beings or whatever aren't a elder things aren't mentioned by name. It's all really vague. That's and that's a lot of people's complaint is that they don't they don't explain a lot of it. But then it's funny because when they when people explain things in movies everyone says they don't want it to be explained they want it uh, to be vague so these guys gave you vague um, action with a you know with a, a thin story And. Uh, People are complaining, just like people are complaining that the characters are kind of thin, which I totally disagree with. Because they say, if when someone dies and spoiler people characters die in the in the movie, um, they say when characters die that you don't care about them. It's like a bunch of frat boys walking by giggling. Um, but they say when characters die, you don't care about them because they're not very well written or fleshed out. And I totally disagree. I cared about all the characters so I don't know and then some people say that the there's no there's no sense of um, dread or of atmosphere and I totally disagree also I think the visuals combined with the sound combined with the acting and the effects I mean build a great uh, atmosphere and I mean it's it's kind of uh, this is the first movie in a long time that I thought was kind of scary <laughs> you know and it was in in the version I saw because it it was in, it came out in limited release and then I guess on on demand online, and I found a copy of it on YouTube that someone had uploaded. So the quality wasn't great, but still good enough to see the effects and to appreciate them. And also, the, I've watched it twice so far, and the first time I watched it was on a seven inch tablet, so I couldn't see the effects that well. It, I could under, I could see them, but I couldn't appreciate them. But then I rewatched it on a 32 inch widescreen LCD TV, which um, I have to tell you, I found the other day I was driving down the street in our neighborhood and someone had put a big Samsung flat screen HD TV on the curb with a little sign that said, Works, but picture gets jumpy. So I picked it up, threw it in the car, and then they had a baggie next to it, which I assumed was the remote, but it wasn't. It was a Roku 3 with its remote. So I took them home, plugged them in, and it turns out the RF input seems like it's dead because when I plug in my cable, my AT&T UVerse cable, it says weak signal or no signal. But when I plug in um, from the cable box via RCA, I get cable fine. The HDMI inputs all work, so I hook the Roku up, and I can watch Netflix on it, and I can watch uh, YouTube on it, and a bunch of other stuff. I've kind of experimented with a little, but it looks everything looks amazing on it. It's a it says from from the model number I looked up. It's a Samsung. It says it's 32 inches, but it feels gigantic to me because in my office I have like a 12 inch, like Emerson or something, some throwaway flat screen HDTV that um, you know, you have to be looking at the right position, from the right position, or it's totally black, so it's like you have to be straight on and straight vertically and horizontally, or else you can't see it, whereas this thing, you can see it. It's great. It's a fantastic TV. It's about a seven-year-old TV, I think it said, so it's not it's not new, but it still is in, it's in great shape, and hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers that it'll last a while, so because it's it's been working great so far. But I did watch it again. Someone gave me a Chromecast, so I plugged that into one of the HDMI inputs on the monitor, and I casted from my computer the file that I downloaded from YouTube. And uh, whoever um, compressed it and uploaded it, or maybe the process of it being uploaded by YouTube or... um, um, Modified by YouTube or processed by YouTube may have lost some of the the uh, detail because there is some skipping occasionally. But it looked ten times better on the, the big giant screen. And uh, I thought, I mean, I watched it in a dark basement at night by myself and I was getting creeped out. So I would totally disagree that there is no um, atmosphere and that you don't care about the characters because I did. And uh, it's just this is a kind of movie I don't want to spoil a whole lot about but really there aren't a whole lot of details to spoil. I mean I talked about the one about the you know sacrificing themselves but he doesn't really at least from what the final shot ch- shows I mean he, he's not dead. So I don't know. It, it's I thought it was great creepy confusing at times kind of dreamlike because the void that has been opened by this this doctor slash kind of cult leader. Um, kind of is distorting reality. So you know, there's they park the police car outside of this hospital, and take in the um, the the guy that you know the wounded guy that they found that the officer finds at the beginning. And his car is close to the door, and every time he keeps coming back outside, it's farther and farther away. Like reality is being distorted. So. I just I loved that. Um, the, like I said, the effects are great. The acting is good. Um, quickly, a actually, I was going to give you a quick cast. Oh, and the two guys, Jeremy Gillespie and um, Stephen Kostansky Two things. They're they're both part of Astron Six, which I'm sure most people have heard of. They're filmmakers from Canada. And I've seen the editor and what is the other one? Crap, Manborg, I think it's called. They've only made a few movies. They're filmmakers. It's a collective of filmmakers. Kind of. They've made. Uh, produce. They produce low budget, low budget eighty centric independent movies that often combine horror with comedy. Oh, crap. I thought I had a list of their movies written down here. Hold on, as usual, I'm not super organized. Oh, they've made Manborg, Father's Day, The Editor, and W is for Wish. So I've seen The Editor, which I liked. It's kind of a, uh, a parody kind of of Jalo movies, and it's uh, it's pretty zany, but it's fun. And then Manborg, I've started, but I, I'm not done with yet. But those those their typical Astron Six movies are kind of zany, whereas this is their first try, as far as I know, at uh, making a serious sci-fi slash horror movie. And I think they totally succeed. I mean, if you didn't know these guys were part of Astron Six, you would not, you you wouldn't know that there's any connection because this is a straight up great horror movie. This is it's it's kind of like we're really lucky lately although I'm sure everyone says this all the time is we've had a lot of movies lately come out that are gonna last you know and like like ones we've talked about recently I think I think um, Train to Busan is going to be around it's going to be a a, when people talk about the best zombie movies they're going to say Train to Busan and if I get ever get around to covering it um, the girl with all the gifts which I've seen a couple times listen to the audiobook I'm still reading the actual physical book and our library just got the DVD but right? I but their their new DVDs are a daily rental so for a dollar you get it for a day which I can't always get to our library before it closes every day but it's open on Saturdays till till Memorial Day and then it's going to uh, it's going to be closed on Saturday's open on Fridays so then I'll be in trouble but I'm waiting <laughs> I'm waiting for that movie to go to weekly rental so I can rent it it's still a dollar but so I can rent it and I have a week to get it back instead of having trying to get there before they close um, but I totally want to do the girl with all the gifts because that's another movie that I think is going to last I think when people say night dawn day um, 20 28 days later the uh, Dawn, ninety is it? Um, when they say those, when they say Return of the Living Dead, when they say Shaun of the Dead, they say Zombieland. They're going to say Train to Busan and Girl with All the Gifts because those are two movies that are fantastic and are going to last. And and it's funny because um, I think we're getting we're, we are getting lucky lately, and we're getting more of those. And I think the void when people say. What's a good Lovecraft movie? And you know, it doesn't have to be because most Lovecraft movies are loosely based on Lovecraft. Just like when the Corman did the Edgar Allan Poe movies, and they were not really Edgar Allan Poe movies, but they, you know, they were ba- loosely based. Or he'd take a title, you know, and make them and write a totally different story around it. So, you know, in, but this this is more Lovecraft than those were Poe, really. But although you could argue some of them were more Poe than than others, but um, I think this is going to be one. When people say, you know, Herbert West, animator or The Beyond, or Dagon, or there's a movie I saw on, on YouTube recently. I want to watch called Island of the Fishmen. That's that has to be Lovecraftian because of the Fishmen. It leaves some Lovecraftian connection. Um, I want to watch that. But um, there has this. This will be one. Uh, the Void will be one movie that for years to come is going to be mentioned by people when they talk about what are, you know, if someone says, what's a good Lovecraft movie? You could say, well, it's not based on any specific Lovecraft story, but it takes the feel and the setting kind of an atmosphere from Lovecraft and uh, creates a new story around it. And I think and I I disagree with those people who say it didn't add anything because I think it did. I mean, it, it, it took the Lovecraft and his, his stuff and brought it into the modern world, you know. And you could say, well, Herbert West Reanimator did that, which that's kind of a... And that's a little silly to Herbert West Reanimator at times. It's gory and gross and disturbing, but it also is a little bit of a comedy, a dark comedy. There's nothing funny about The Void. I, I one In some ways, I feel bad for the guys who made this Gillespie and Kostanski, because when you watch this movie, this is—it's such a—I think it's dazzling. It's—it's it's just fantastic movie, visually, story-wise, the atmosphere, everything, um, affects the mood, the everything, the style. I mean, this should be a movie that should launch these guys. You know, they should be huge after this movie. And I listened to an interview with them on—I think it was—Without Your Head podcast. I again, on a podcast I don't necessarily listen to, but um, it, it. I saw the title of the the um, episode was dealing with the void, and I had heard Eric from the Dark Dis- Dark Discussions podcast, which is really good, um, mentioned that there was an interview with these two guys, the two filmmakers, um, Kostansky and Gillespie, on Without Your Head. So um, I wanted to hear it, and, and he said how how negative, you know, how down they were, kind of about the reception of this movie. And uh, one of the things they said, like you know, when they said at the end of the interview, what what do we have to look forward to you next? You know, what are you doing next? And they said, well, we're working for a paycheck. So these guys are still scraping by, trying to pay their bills, and they make the void. Which, if you wanted, you know, everyone wants to make a movie, and and very few people are going to be able to make a movie the quality of the void. So these guys are polished filmmakers. And it's sad that their movie is not being seen. Like it says the box office take was one hundred and forty nine thousand three hundred and nine three hundred and sixty-five dollars. But that's just that's just box office. I mean, it had a tiny release in little art theaters around the country. Like here in Detroit, there was there's a place called Cinema Detroit that's down the street. And uh, it's an old movie theater that's been kind of renovated. I haven't been inside yet, but I really want to go. And the other day they showed The Void, and I really wanted to go. It was nine bucks, so it, wouldn't, it was a little more than I would normally pay for a movie. But after seeing it, I wanted to see it again on the big screen. But I didn't go. But that's the kind of release it had. So... <laughs> I mean that's I don't know how many seats that has, but it can't be huge. So that's a little theater like that around the country. So 149,000 may be good for that for the release they had, but their crowdfunding on Indiegogo raised 82,510. dollars So they they almost doubled their their budget with that box office, and I'm sure they made more from um, from on demand so hopefully they made some some money from this because these guys deserve it it's it's a great movie and it's too bad that that it's just not well people are seeing it like like um horror news radio reviewed it and gave it rave reviews so fans are liking it even those people were they said on one of the podcasts I listened to the negative ones said how um it's critics are loving it but fans aren't necessarily and I would disagree because I think the fans I've heard talk about it other than one or two podcasts um, are totally positive so I and then I, I printed out this guy's review, he wrote a thing on IMDB about it it's oh, the thing people talking on their cell phones, you get to hear their conversation more than yours um, this guy, he he. One thing he his positives, even though it's it's a negative slash positive review. He says, "God, this woman's so loud. You could probably hear her more than you can hear me right now." Um, he said, "The use of practical effects in this movie are really its highest selling point." I I don't care if effects are digital or practical. I th- I don't think digital effects you know are that easy to pull off either. If you ask me. I mean, it's nice when they use practical effects, but I don't think it's make or break for me. But that's the thing everyone's saying is great that they have practical effects, which I don't really care about. But that's its big thing. It says, like, the thing, this film does not shy away from showing you some extremely well-crafted and effective monsters. And he says, however, to compare this film with the thing for reasons outside of practical effects does not make a lot of sense. It's a little... It makes a little sense, but yeah, the whole cult thing has nothing to do with the thing, but the effects are very, they do have a very thing feel, the John Carpenter's thing. And he says, in short, The Void is is well worth a watch. He says, in a recent rash of indie horror films, The Void stands out for several reasons. In many of the recent indie horror films, there is usually something glaring that needs to be overlooked in order to make the film enjoyable whether it's poor acting, loose plot lines, or an overabundance of things that attempt to shock. Many recent Indies horror titles have been held back by mediocrity. The Void, as a sum of its individual parts, is a well-crafted, enjoyable ride that I would feel comfortable recommending to most horror fans. The special effects are easily its highest selling point, but the film is held together by a decent story and fair acting. The characters are believable for the most part, and the story does a good job of explaining the necessity of the effects. This is the guy though he said he says where the film all fault th- where the film falters the most however is in the lack of atmosphere I totally disagree with that it's a guy named St- <coughs> excuse me still killing zombies is his name and he and he posted this I think it was on IMDB on April 9th 2017 so month a little more than a month ago from when I'm recording so I mean he's positive negative and then he says, because of the atmosphere, he says he feels as if it should be claustrophobic and isolating, but for some reason I was unable to connect with these themes. Not me. I felt claustrophobic. I felt isolated. I, it totally grabbed me and pulled me in. I cared about the characters. So I think it's personal preference, maybe. I don't know. Maybe this guy wasn't feeling well that day. I don't know. And he says, I'm usually an advocate for a movie telling less to the audience in order for the viewer to create some of the more frightening aspects in their mind. But with this particular film, I was left wanting more exposition. It's like, really? I mean, this, the cop brings a injured guy he finds in the woods, you know, stumbling in, stumbles all the woods into the road to this hospital. The hospital's had a fire recently, and they're moving all of the stuff from the hospital into a new building because of the damage. So there's just a skeleton crew of people there at night, one doctor, two nurses, and a trainee. And there's only one patient left in the hospital he shows up with the patient thinking it's, no big, you know, it's going to be no big deal, and all heck breaks loose. So, and someone said somewhere about, you know, there's too many, too many coincidences have to happen for this movie to, to take place. And it's like, come on, what's the chances you look in on any character from a movie... And, you know, on the next day, nothing's happened. On the day before, nothing's happening. But we're lucky enough to see their life during that day that something interesting's happening. That's what a movie is. So I don't understand that. But I, I don't think more needs to be given. I think it's, they give you just enough. It says, unlike the original Hellraiser film, the void did not leave the origins of the monster's creation completely unexplained. But the origin story was a little vague, and it made it difficult to connect as deeply to the conclusion of the film as I may have liked. I disagree. I think um, you have no idea what's, what's going on. Just like the characters, you know as much as the characters. So things are revealed to you as they learn them. So I totally disagree with him. But he says overall, The Void is a good movie to throw on for a horror movie night with some friends. Who enjoy some good over the top gore and monster effects? So, it's pretty cool. I I, I have to say it's a I, I hope I've conveyed what this movie really is. But it's a. It's a dark, atmospheric, kind of um, sci-fi slash horror slash weird um, thing. It's just it's hard. It's hard to. I mean, the the best way to say it is it's Lovecraftian, but it's not totally, it's not totally, it's not the whole thing, though. There's more to this than the Lovecraftian elements. And one thing that I hate is one of the podcasts said there weren't enough tentacles or something they said. It's like, Lovecraft, the tentacles you see in Lovecraft are on Cthulhu's face. It's like the tentacles aren't a requirement for Lovecraft. This isn't Asian... This is the anime, you know. So I wish people just like when people talk about zombies and they say eating brains. It's like one series of movies, the Return of the Living Dead movies, are concerned with eating brains. Most movies, zombie-related, they eat any part of the body. So, but everyone is obsessed. The non-zombie fans are obsessed obsessed with the brain eating. So, I just. I wish people would get off the tentacle thing with Lovecraft, but who cares? As long as they're talking about him and and reading him, then it's fine, I guess. Not that he's benefiting in any way, but I'm sure if he were alive, he would appreciate it. Yeah, the movie, yeah, it says The Void was released on September 22nd, 2016. Well, Fantastic Fest. And then it played at Toronto After Dark. Oh, yeah, and it was released uh, theatrically and video on demand the same day in the US of April 7th, 2017. So, about a month and a half ago. So, this movie's brand new for, for us, really. I mean, it's been out, it's been made for a year. That's nice, whatever that is a motorcycle or something. And it also was released limitedly in Canada at the same time. So, it says it currently holds a Rotten Tomatoes. 73% approval rating, which I don't care about. It says based on 51 reviews, an average rating of 6 out of 10, mm-hmm. which at Rotten Tomatoes means nothing to me. I'm not a critic who is forced to watch every movie that comes out. I watch the movies I think are going to are going to interest me, so I end up liking pretty much everything I watch. Um, I'll either be pleasantly surprised or slightly disappointed, but still happy that I watched it. But, um... Says the cites critical consensus Rotten Tomatoes. The Void offers a nostalgic rush for fans of low budget '80s horror, and legitimate thrills for hardcore genre enthusiasts of all ages. It says on Metacritic, The Void received a rating of 62 out of 100 based on 14 reviews, indicating generally favorable reviews. So it's like it's it's getting positive reviews, but it's like it's they're they're tinted with negativity. Um, so it's just you know, I don't want to harp on it too much to what people are what these people are saying because I disagree with them but um I think it's well worth a watch I mean I I, I've seen it twice and I'm gonna watch it again and again and again and um I wish I would have gone and seen it at Cinema Detroit because I I I regret not going it was a I think it was a Saturday night which is a hard night to get out for me to go to something so just like on curtis armstrong is here right now he was just on a show a news show locally where he uh was being interviewed he's booger from revenge of the nerds and he was on um he was in risky business and he was on uh, moonlighting and uh he uh he's here to appear at a couple screenings of revenge of the nerds at the redford theater which is my favorite theater in the world and uh it's today, this is Friday, and it's two showing. one showing tonight and two tomorrow. And then they're having a meet and greet with them too, which I would love to go to, which is 35 bucks, which isn't that bad, especially considering it's a non-profit theater and everyone's volunteers, so all the money goes to, you know, keep restoring the theater and keeping it going. But, um, but it's like it's, it has to be something, something great to drag me to it and, or to make me leave the house Because now there's so many options online, you know, with Netflix or with YouTube or DVDs. I have thousands of DVDs. All right, so that's it for The Void. I hope I've sold it enough to you because it is a great movie and it deserves your attention. And these two guys, hopefully they go on to do great things, but they've already done great things with this. So I would just say... Um, give him a break, give him a chance oh and and watch the other astron i mean not other astron because this isn't as far as I know an astron six movie um even though these guys are part of astron six I would say this isn't one of the those movies it's um it's one of their it's one of their um, um it's one of their movies they did outside of it so um so i don't think there's any connection to Astron 6 in it other than these guys are part of that group too so but watch the Astron 6 movies too because I think they're worth a watch at least the two I've seen the editor and um, Man Borg which I'm not done with but still it's pretty fun so far and they're kind of they those ones are kind of 80s kind of homages kind of things but um, this one you could say this is a little because of its Its feel that's comparable to the thing, but it's not. I mean, it stands on its own. It's just a good sci-fi horror film. So, just give it a shot. You have you have nothing to lose, and you have everything to gain. What is? I think there's. You know, thinking about it, it's appropriate that The Void isn't doing well because the main movie that people are comparing it to, effects-wise at least, is The Thing, and The Thing did not do well initially. Because I remember when it came out when we were in high school, I remember everyone was excited over... E.T., but no one was. Well, the average person wasn't really excited about the thing. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a box office or a financial success initially, but has you know found its audience on home video and DVD, and so so it's really not a surprise that the Void um, wouldn't do well initially, because I think it's the kind of movie like the Thing where maybe it's going to be big later you know it'll catch on later as more people end up seeing it especially considering its release style you know they go into on demand and a tiny 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 theatrical release um i think it'll it'll end up mirroring the thing i think it'll be it'll years from now it'll be seen as a as an amazing movie it'll be on everyone's top 10 or it'll be high on their list of their favorite sci-fi slash horror movies but right now it won't be as appreciated as it should be so actually um i was thinking about that after i, I left the uh campus marshes where i was recording right now i'm sitting in my car in the rain a few days later at a Meyer parking lot and i just thought it might be interesting to hear that hopefully you can hear the rain hitting the roof of the car but um uh, it came to me later that it's probably appropriate unfortunately for these guys that the void will become so it'll become big later just like the thing did and it's unfortunate cuz i think these guys did an amazing job like carpenter did with the thing and that hurt his career initially and but um you know now everyone thinks he's a, a master of horror <laughs> that he, you know he's a genius now but back then um, the thing wasn't seen that way so i think the void is going to end up being like that for these guys but i hope it helps them get a name so that they can end up making more movies because i think they're really good and i think we all would benefit it was a bright cold day in april and the clocks were striking thirteen winston smith his chin nuzzled into his breast in an effort to escape the vile wind slipped quickly through the glass doors of victory mansions though not quickly enough, to prevent a swirl of gritty dust from entering along with him. The hallway smelt of boiled cabbage and old rag mats. At one end of it, a colored poster, too large for indoor display, had been tacked to the wall. It depicted, simply, an enormous face, more than a meter wide. The face of a man of about forty-five, with a heavy black mustache, and ruggedly handsome features. I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately. It started with listening to The Girl with All the Gifts. That was the first one that I really enjoyed. Before that, whenever I would listen to an audiobook, I would pay attention and then I would get distracted because I would be listening while I was doing something and I would get distracted and it would be kind of like trying to watch a foreign subtitled movie while I'm doing something. You know, you pay attention, you read, you read, you read, you get distracted by the computer and then you realize you've missed... 10 minutes of dialogue because you stopped reading. So I would lose concentration with the audiobook, and then I would have missed, you know, a chapter. I don't know, a couple of pages at least. Um, but uh, recently, like I've said in the past, um, the girl with all the gifts really held my attention. And since then, I've listened to, I've been listening to the Martian Andy Weir book. Uh, which I've read a couple times, you know, in paperback. So I already know the story. Um, But I've listened to that, and it's good. One thing I like about the audiobook of the Martian is all the locations on Mars, they they, um, pronounce them for you. (laughs) So I now know how to pronounce them, at least as I'm listening. Although one thing... It's kind of like the World War Z audiobook, which that is really the first audiobook that really grabbed me. But it was a couple, it was years ago, so um, I don't remember that as much. Because The Girl with All the Gifts is the first one that I really listened to the entire thing all the way through, and enjoyed it. Uh, World War Z, I think I've listened to a bunch of the different chapters, but I've read the book multiple times. But um, the the chapters were good. But one thing in it is every character in the audiobook is like a stereotype of some country, you know, so their accent is like the stereotypical accent from their country. And that's what I kind of get from this Martian audiobook is um, there's an Indian main character and the person reading the audiobook tries to impersonate people. he's reading so you know sometimes you just get people reading the lines and other times you get people kind of acting it out and the guy who does the (laughs) the (laughs) the Martian audiobook I feel bad because it's it's like this racist Indian accent at times and I feel bad because I I know he you know the characters Indian and he's doing an Indian accent or a Pakistani accent or something but (laughs) it feels wrong you know, it feels like he's making fun of it a little. But he, I'm sure he's not, you know, because there are other, there's like a Austrian or German or some type of character, Nordic character, and he does that character's accent too. Then there's a Hispanic character and he does that person's accent too, and they all kind of feel a little wrong to me. So I don't know if I'm just becoming too sensitive or what, but World War Z felt wrong to me. Like when there was a Jewish character, it was an extremely Jewish accent, you know, Israeli. And then when there was a uh, Japanese character, it was an extremely Japanese accent. And it just felt a little wrong then, too. But I know these countries have their own languages and their accents, when they're speaking English, sound a certain way. So it's not like there's anything wrong but it just feels wrong when they do it. So um, The Martian feels a little wrong when he gets into that. And, and I love The Martian, but this audiobook is driving home the fact that they use the F word randomly, Mark Watney does, the main character, and it just seems like it's going to make the book less accessible to a wider audience because kids could be reading this book. It's inspirational. It's a great story. It's not real. It's fiction, but... Um, but it's like the F word kind of excludes a younger audience. And I've heard the movies the same way and I've watched the movie parts of it on YouTube and I have it on the hard drive so I can watch it just have to watch it all. But, um, it just seems like Andy Weir lost a little bit of an opportunity there because taking out the profanity, it's not totally necessary. He could say something else. Um, but, uh, it's Still an enjoyable audiobook, but every time he says the f word i i think and that f word isn't fun it's the other f word the bad one um <laughs> so it's like um when I was telling my son today about it, and he's thirteen and i and he's kind of got excited because it's a great story and we in the back of our basement bathroom, I have the poster for it a giant poster of the martians big um what's his name um that Ben Affleck. Um, who's the other guy? The the Born Identity guy. Oh, Matt Damon. Who I love. I think he's the he's like the new Harrison Ford, Gary Cooper, kind of actor where he's the everyman, if you ask me. Um, but uh, and I was telling my son about the the whole story of the the book. And he got excited, and unfortunately he's 13, even though he uses language worse than the Martian. I don't want to expose him to it, because it kind of legitimizes the language then. You know, kids will swear, and they think it's cool, but I don't want to legitimize it by you know recommending a book or a movie or something that has a lot of profanity in it. So, you know, kids grow up fast enough, I'm not going to make them grow up any faster, you know. But anyway, um the the audiobook I wanted to kind of talk about was uh nineteen eighty four by George R. Orwell. And one thing the first thing I learned was that Orwell wasn't his real name. It was a pen name, which I never knew because I never had to read nineteen eighty four in school. I just read it for fun when I was younger, and uh, then I just reread it recently because everyone's going on and on about Trump and nineteen eighty four and, and it's what's funny is it's such a modern feeling book when you're reading it and it is kind of um, appropriate to read it now, you know, with the alternative facts and things like that, the news speak kind of stuff. Um, and I have to say, I started reading a hard copy of the book or rereading a hard copy of the book because I have a really beat up old paperback of it. But then I, I saw the audio book on YouTube. So I downloaded it, converted it an MP3 through it on my little audio player that i that I usually go to bed with and uh I would listen for you know a half hour fall asleep, turn the sleep mode on so it would shut down after a half hour after I had fallen asleep and then pick it up again the next day and I pretty much worked my way through the whole audio book and it was it was really cool it was you know it and and i and I didn't remember the end just like I never. Like, everyone is concerned with people ruining the end of books or movies for them, and I never remember the end because the end is almost the least important thing. It's the how you got there. That's why I'm not a big believer in spoilers, you know, for the most part. So, I didn't remember the end, and I even looked up how, what other people, you know, how they interpreted the end, and they pretty much interpreted it the way I did. But uh, it, it was it's a great book. It's um, just as as relevant today as it was when it was published in 1949, I think it was published. And yeah, my computer's really slow today. Let's see. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 1949. Yes, by George Orwell. So, um, I would highly recommend reading 1984 if you haven't. Try rereading again if, if you have, because it's a good book. It's fun. Um, I mean, that fun but it's 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 a good read um it's it's educational because it kind of is relevant today trump is kind of a big brother kind of a figure you know and i'm not going to get political here because i'm not very political myself but um just it is it's a good cautionary tale kind of thing and if you know if we're not careful we could you know end up the way they do in the in the book and you know, although I guess we don't really have a lot of control over it necessarily, anyway. But um, it's a great read. The audiobook's good. The reader's good. I didn't get to rewatch the movie. I saw the John Hurt movie years ago, and I haven't re- I haven't rewatched it since. But I noticed there was a '50s version of it in black and white on YouTube, so I may watch that also. But I would definitely give it um, give it a shot because it, it's a it's, it doesn't feel dated at all, I mean, it's, you know, 40, from 49, it's an old book, and uh, it still feels, still feels just as relevant today. Her name was Rosemary, she was my daughter, I loved her. Precision of language. <laughs> Could not be more precise, do you know what that's like, to love someone, I do. Song danced, felt real joy. Then you should know better than anyone. Finally, I was going to talk about a movie that I had watched recently on Netflix that uh, was pretty interesting. It's based on the book The Giver by Lois Lowry, the 1993 book, um... That's uh, what is it a synopsis the the Giver is a 1993 American young adult dystopian novel by Lois Lowry. It is set in a society which for at first appears to be utopian but is revealed to be dystopian as the story progresses. The novel follows a 12-year-old boy named Jonas. Um good book. Um again I it's a book I didn't have to read when I was growing up, you know, in school, but I had read 10 years ago maybe. Just for fun. And a uh, great book, Cliffhanger Ending, but then the sequel and other sequels kind of give away the just the, the cliffhanger ending. But um great movie starring Jeff Bridges, um, what's her name? Meryl Streep and a bunch of young actors. Um, really fun. Um I for some reason when I read it, I didn't picture this clean um, utopian society visually when I read it but um, they came they did a great job with um, imagining the world and uh, Jeff bridges is great although he's doing that mush mouth kind of character like he did in and uh, uh, crap what's the western darn it I'm sure I'll remember the second I stopped recording and he kind of did in um, R.I.P.D. I think it was called um, oh true grit. So it's like I don't know if Jeff Bridges speaks like that now as he's old, getting older I mean it could it could be that's how he speaks but it's not you know how he spoke in, in Big Lebowski or any of his other stuff he always had a really clean delivery so I don't know if he's he just turns that on or not but he does it kind of halfway in The Giver and he is The Giver but it's it's a great movie Visually well done. Um, it, it's an interesting movie. I watched that on Netflix. You can watch that now on Netflix, and I streamed it to my uh, via or through my Roku box on Netflix to my new 32 inch. I'm saying it's a 32 inch because I when I entered the the model number from the back of the Samsung TV, I got out of the trash. It wasn't trash. They put it out on the curb saying it still works so you know they wanted to kind of recycle it to someone who wanted it and uh, when I watch it watched it on my 32 inch TV it looked fantastic so it's a it's a pretty movie it's a neat idea um, kind of just like 1984 it's a you know a, an alternate future kind of thing and uh, and they but they do this thing where everything's black and white and then they reveal color to kind of to kind of change things, to when they show emotion or things, it's or it's the color, it goes to color, so it's it's a nice job because it you know I could see it being hard. How do we portray this on the screen? So um, it's the Giver, uh, based on the book by Lois Lowry, and it stars Jeff Bridges. It's a 2014 movie. It says it's a, it's a Canadian-American South African social science fiction film directed by Philip Noyce. I didn't know anything about the, the production of it or anything, but um, if you if you're interested you can check out you know, you can look it up online, but uh you know, it's it's no the void. I think the void is an instant classic. I think it's a movie that's going to be around for ever. Whereas the giver you know, the it's a classic kids book or teen book and uh and it's been turned into a good movie. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's definitely worth a watch. But the the void is is special. And next time I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to do Girl with All the Gifts. The DVD wasn't at the library when I went the other day, so either it's checked out or something. It's got to be checked out. And it hasn't gone to a weekly rental yet. Because I want to do that. It's a fantastic. That's a fantastic movie too. Like Train to Busan, it's a great addition to the zombie film history. And I'm sure some people will say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. "It's not, it's nothing special." Oh, it's like screw those people, they're haters. You know, if you're a, a movie fan and you want to find movies that you're going to like and you're going to enjoy, Train to Busan and Girl with All the Gifts are movies you're going to love. So, and I know I keep going on and about Girl with All the Gifts, and not covering it eventually i will i think next shows the 25th one silver anniversary so i gotta do it for that one maybe <laughs> we'll see uh, you know i'm like a a baby and, um, seeing bright lights you know i get distracted so even though i've been focused on wanting to do girl with all the gifts for a while now i keep getting distracted by other movies that grab my attention just like the void uh, void is a great movie please watch the void hopefully we can uh, help that make this movie successful, you know. So, but anyway, um, that's it for this time. Uh, hopefully uh, I haven't babbled on too much and I've had some interesting background noise, so I'm going to do some cleanup so to reduce it, but I'm sure I won't be able to get rid of all of it because then it starts sounding kind of distorted and like you're in a fishbowl kind of thing. So uh, anyway... um Hopefully this iPhone isn't sounding bad either because I'm still using the iPhone 4 as a recording device instead of my Zoom H2 just because the Zoom seems so fragile. It's so light and plasticky and this is so solid and I have it in an outer box too which makes it feel like I could slam it into a wall or throw it at someone and uh, <laughs> and it wouldn't hurt it. So, um, But anyway... Hopefully, I haven't babbled on too much, and hopefully, I'm, I've made it clear what the void is like. But as always, you can look it up online. This is—I just want to point people to something. If it if it grabs me and gets me excited, I just want to point it out to people that hey, this might be something that you'd love too. Because there's nothing like discovering a great movie or a great book, you know. So and these guys, you know, the the void guys, I can't remember their names now and my computer's going so slow. Um but uh, they deserve to uh to make some, you know, make a career out of this movie, you know, or launch a career with this movie. So hopefully they do because um like I said, unfortunately Carpenter's um um career kind of got hurt by the thing. So hopefully it doesn't happen to these guys because the world has changed you know oh boy I'm trying to <laughs> I'm hoping that the computer will start responding so I can say their name but um, oh it's uh, John- Steven Kostansky and Jeremy Gillespie two guys they deserve the attention they did a great job I'm sure you know, everyone else everyone associated with it did a great job but those two guys wrote it and directed it and uh, so I would say please give The Void a try I'm not making I'm not being paid by them so I have nothing to gain by this other than hopefully then these guys get to make more movies in the future because uh, they they did a great job so anyway hope you enjoy it and uh, you know if you have any thoughts or uh, comments please uh, drop me a line at the darkroom podcast at gmail.com and until next time i will see you in the dark room you're my girl see and you always will be even if i have to lick you to prove it i'm your girl you can lick me if it'll help with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere